Welcome to Questions That Matter, a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute. I'm your host, Randy Newman, and I'm delighted today that my conversation partner, all the way over from uh, Brisbane, Australia, uh, in Queensland, is Dr. Gary Miller. Gary is the principal, or what we might consider the, the president of Queensland Theological College. Gary has been a pastor, he's been a preacher, he's a scholar. He writes commentaries on the book of Deuteronomy, but he's also written a great new book for brand new Christians about how to get into the Bible for themselves. It's called Read This First. That's what's going to be the topic of our conversation. Gary, welcome to Questions That Matter. Thanks so much. It's marvelous to be with you. Well, um, I, I, I want uh, our listeners to have a, an ever-expanding vision about what God is doing around the world. You're, you're originally from Northern Ireland, Belfast, a, a town near and dear to the heart of us C.S. Lewis Institute people. Um, but then God uh, called you to be uh, the principal of a seminary in Australia. Um, tell us a little bit about Queensland Theological College. Well, let Australia is slightly smaller than the U.S., but but one of the big differences is that we only have um, we only have six states or territories. So Queensland is massive. It uh, we can I can fly two hours to the north to a place called Cairns on the Great Barrier Reef, and I'm I'm still only halfway up Queensland. So mm. it's a, a massive area, um, but most of the the large part of the population is clustered in the southeast around Brisbane and the Gold Coast. So about five or six million people um, living down here in the southeast. And our college is uh, Presbyterian by foundation, um, but uh, less than half our students are Presbyterian. Essentially, we are the kind of the gospel center. It's got a gospel coalition flavored college and so mm-hmm. we equip um, pastors uh, gospel workers uh, men and women for all kinds of roles in the church across queensland and across australia and and beyond so the the church is really strong in in sydney and new south wales about an hour's flight south of us but across australia everywhere else it's uh, fairly weak and battling against, in many cases, very little evangelical heritage, and also, like many other places in the English-speaking world, just a growing tide of sort of default secularism and mm-hmm. um, you know, really anti-gospel thinking. Yeah. So you, you're you training men and women for ministry mostly in Australia, or is it, or is it uh, uh, throughout Asia as well? Um, a, a little bit of that, mostly, uh, mostly from uh, from Australia, um, but but even then, I mean, Australia, I mean, like most parts of the US, Australia has rapidly become uh, very, you know, incredibly multi ethnic. You know, mm-hmm. even on our staff, you know, our our new finance person um, is a beautiful Christian believer from Shanghai in China, you know, and even our Australian students you know, are from Chinese, Malaysian, um, Indonesian, Korean backgrounds. Some of those people will go back to Asia. Um, some will continue to seek to reach the very rich community that we have here now. I, I was delighted several years ago, had the uh, uh, opportunity to come there and uh, 
get to see some of uh, the country and do some speaking there. And you're right. It is very international, very multi-ethnic. It was really beautiful to see. It was surprising for me to see that, which only shows how uh, uninformed I was. But um, well, it has, um, changed, well, has changed quite quickly. If, if, if you go back 40 years, that wouldn't have been the case. So Okay. All right. So that's all very recent. Okay. So great opportunities for ministry in, in that yes. setting. So, well, um, I, um, I'm, I'm personally very excited about our opportunity to talk because I, I heard you preach a sermon uh, from the Gospel of Luke uh, seven or more years ago at the Gospel Coalition Conference. And it, it was one of the most powerful and helpful sermons for me uh, and has really uh, helped me read the Gospels more richly. So um, I, I don't I don't listen to a whole lot of sermons more than once, but I've listened to that sermon several times. Uh, I'm going to link uh, to the link there for our show notes. It was just very, very helpful for me. Um, but. Uh, today we're talking about your book, Read This First, a guide for people to get into the Bible, and a short book, um, but I uh, I found out about it by an announcement of a book, and I thought, oh, we've we've needed this for quite a long time, or, or especially recently with so many people who are coming to faith with no background in reading the Bible, and how, how do you get into this book? So, so tell us a little bit about how how it is that you came to write this and what your what your prayer and hope is for this book. I, I think it really had 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 its genesis in the 12 years um, that that we spent in Dublin um, in a pair of small Presbyterian churches and planting another one. And in God's kindness, we, we saw um, over the 12 years, we saw lots of people come to faith and um, uh, mostly from a nominal Catholic background, because in the Republic of Ireland, in Dublin, <laughs> that's that's ninety five percent of the population. But mm. essentially, then those people had, even though they'd been in and around church for you know lots of their lives, often um, they had had no exposure to the Bible or to the gospel at all. Uh, so what we find is that most of them would come to Christ or at least have their foundations kind of led as we took them through Christianity Explored and took them through Mark's gospel. And then we realized, you know, we tried to, you know, we did a very kind of brief beginner's Bible study, you know, that was almost just, you know, like fill in the the, the gap, the word that's missing from this sentence. Mm. And then the next thing we wanted them to be part of our, our home group network. And there was just an enormous gap you know, because you take mm-hmm. these new Christians and they'd, they'd read through Mark's gospel, you know, with someone's help. They'd just be dropped into a, Christ, a Christian community. And yeah. and often, you know, that you, you had that tension. There were so many, they had so many questions that you des- that I desperately wanted to answer with them or, you know, the leader wanted to answer. But you've got other people in the room whose issues and questions and understanding is so much so much deeper and better um so that was part of it and then i realized um i've i've taught i taught in a a seminary in dublin and then i came here and realized that one of the hardest challenges we have in getting people set up to read the bible well and then to teach it is even with people who've grown up in church getting them to read what it actually says on the page 
So on, on the one hand, you've got people who don't who just do not know what to do with this very odd looking book that's printed on yeah. thin paper and double columns and uh, is an ancient book. And then you've got uh, sometimes people who've grown who've grown up in church who think they know what the Bible says without actually reading the words. Hmm. Hmm. And and I think those two things came together to say, well, really, what we need to do is think encourage people to do what they actually have the innate ability to do, mm-hmm. you know, which is, which is to read. You know, obviously that, you know, that we all learn to read at some level, but there was a massive confidence gap for people who were new Christians. And then sometimes they feel like an overconfidence in people who've been Christians for years. Um, and so when the, the, the good big company people came and said, Gary would really like, a simple introduction to reading the Bible. I was just thrilled because mm. I'd, I'd wanted one for so long to, to give <laughs> to people and didn't, and didn't have it. And the privilege of my position now is my role, a step away from the cold face of kind of local church ministry, is that it, you do get a little bit of time uh, to reflect and do something like this. That that, mm-hmm. that you know, I, my prayer is that it will it will actually help people in church who are not yet in church to read the Bible, you know? Yeah. Well, I think um, uh, when I just read it not too long ago, I would say that that confidence gap has been addressed really well. I think someone could read this book and feel like, okay, I can do this. And, um, and I think you're right. I mean, I, I've thought we've needed this book because we, we've got, we've got some very, very good books about, um, why we can trust the Bible, why yes. it's accurate historically, and all of those questions, which are very, very important. And then we have books of like either commentaries or even entry-level commentaries of, well, here's what the Bible says. Yeah. But there, but you're right. There was this gap of, okay, wait, wait, but how, how do I just read it for myself? And um, and and we've got we've got some really good scholarly rigorous books about how to interpret the Bible, and that's very very good for seminary students. I'm really glad I read some of those when I was in seminary. But but you know if I see you know someone become a brand new Christian, it's like okay, here's this will really help you, and yeah. it'll encourage you that um, if you can read, you can read the Bible. And yeah, there's some complicated parts. There's some difficult parts and you acknowledge that. Um, but it really helps people with that confidence that they need. That's right. I think, I mean, when I went looking for a book like this, the problem was, and there's like, I agree, there's some excellent books, but what tends to happen is that either you get to about page 40 and they start using words like hermeneutics. Mm, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, good. Or the first 50 pages are quite helpful and straightforward, but the book itself is 280 pages long. You know, now <laughs> I think all if 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 you're dealing with kind of you know white collar middle you know middle class university educated you know people you that may I mean, I don't think it'll work for everyone because I spend a lot of time at university. I think we kid ourselves sometimes people who spend time at university or college aren't necessarily readers, you know, but, mm-hmm. but we really were setting the bar very high. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so yeah. I think part, part of the challenge was to, to try to write a book for non-readers. But I think also that this isn't, I mean, I think for me, this is out of deep theological conviction. 
Um, yes. yes. Because, and because if, if we actually believe that, you know, and, and you know, what's sometimes called the perspicuity of scripture, if we believe God's word is plain, I think we have to be very careful. And people like me, you know, me who works in a, I work in a seminary, you know, we have to be very, very careful that we don't end up trying to make our make ourselves into, you know, a new sort of medieval priesthood. Mm-hmm. It's so, so the Bible is plain and simple, but really to understand that you need to talk to someone like me or you need to, re- to read 27 commentaries um, yeah. you know, and to know the original languages. Not, I realize that's a, that's a tension, but, but sure. I, think, I think we fall. I know which side of the tension we tend to miss on. That, that in, in our circles, in circles that take the Bible and the gospel seriously, I don't think, I don't think we're all that, you know, I don't think we could be accused of making the Bible too straightforward or too accessible for people. I regularly talk about uh, all of the resources that we put together at the C.S. Lewis Institute. I want to highlight one right now. Uh, it's our Keeping the Faith And it is a whole library and collection of resources for you, parents and grandparents. It's a whole entire program with courses and materials uh, that have been developed to equip you, parents and grandparents and other caring adults, for intentional discipleship of the children that God has placed in your life. And um, uh, this, we've got videos, we've got articles, we've got study courses. Uh, this is one of the things we've, we've made as a major emphasis on our newly designed, award-winning uh, website. And I really want to encourage you to check it out. And even if you are not um, a parent, um, that you'll check it out and recommend it to the parents that you know, or perhaps use it at your church in Sunday school. There, it's a wealth of things, uh, resources for uh, equipping the next generation of disciples. Yeah, yeah. By the way, a great strength of your book is that you never use the word perspicuity in it. I think that's really a great strength. Is it? That's got to be like I that I almost think that 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 word came up as as a joke. Someone you yes. know, said, "Hey, okay, we we want to try to convince people that the Bible is clear." So, so what we need is a really unclear word to tell them that it's clear. So, that we need to pursue perspicuity and eschew obfuscation as much as possible. Yes. And uh, that's just crazy. But anyway, no, yes. your so your book is. Um, it, it's very helpful in that way. It also acknowledges, though, some of the difficulties. In fact, I think it starts out with, don't you have a section right at the beginning of why not why not to read the Bible? And, <laughs> and here's all the potential headaches that you've heard about. And yeah, they could be real, but here's how to overcome them. Um, yeah, I think, I think also those of us, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time or you've grown up in church, I think I think we we underestimate the weirdness of the Bible. Oh, if, uh-huh. if you haven't grown up in a Christian context or culture, and it is just even physically, it's unlike any book that anyone else will that anyone will normally pick up. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, I, I mean, I, I suspect. I think moving to Australia probably clarified things because um, we have moved very quickly. You know, to to essentially a post-Christian culture, yeah, um, and and 
I think we're sort of tw- 20 or 30 years ahead of, of where, for example, people in, in Ireland were who still had, they may never have read it, but they still had an essential kind of reverence for the Bible and hmm. despite hmm. the issues in the, the church, the Catholic church in particular, you know, believing in God was not a shameful thing. You know, it was still part of the cultural fabric. So, yeah. so there it was much easier in that, you know, people thought the Bible was too hard but but they weren't opposed to it whereas yeah. come to australia and it's just it's, it's not it's not even hostility it's just why would i read the bible yeah you know, um it, it's just ancient too long outdated opaque incomprehensible yeah you know? and i yeah. think i mean the other the, the title for the book it was quite it was funny because i i wrote i wrote a book for new christians where <laughs> Uh, again, because when I was in Dublin, I just wanted a highway code to lay out for new Christians mm-hmm. in one mm-hmm. eighty to hundred pages. Here, here's what you you might expect. Because I just I just kept bumping into or seeing people in church who six months in would say, you know, almost like Gary, why didn't you tell me this? Ah, <laughs> well, I didn't. Oh. I mean, and I don't mean major apologetic you know, roadblocks or anything. Just you you didn't you didn't really tell me how hard this is going to be or that, um, okay. that joy, yeah. joy comes in the middle of suffering or you know um and and yeah. so yeah. when i was working on that it was funny the publishers the publishers said why don't we call that read this first and i actually said to fiona my wife and my, my daughters and they laughed and accused their their husband and father of hubris and all said shouldn't we really read the bible first yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, which was a fairly compelling point. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Uh-huh. So if you like, then that that when the good when the publishers came along, that ah, I know what I know what, what I'd like to call that book <laughs> because we really do want people to read the Bible first. Yes, yes, and um, I think you know, be my prayer that 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 the book, whether people are Christians or not, that it actually gives them not just confidence in our ability to read the Bible and get the main point. Uh, but I think, I think particularly that it, it hopefully does goes a little way to restoring our confidence that actually the thing we want people to do is to read the scriptures. Yes. Yes. You know, if, if, yeah. you know, yes, they need a little bit of help. Yes. We want to be there walking with them, but ultimately the power it resides in the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes. Oh, that's good. Well, let 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 me ask you about a few statements that you make in the book that I think um, you, you wanted them to be um, not provocative. That's not the right word, but but um, uh, appealing or attractive. So early on, you say that reading the Bible is like watching Netflix. Yeah. So, um, uh, what, what do you mean by that? Help help our listeners think through that a bit. Well, I think particularly when it comes to reading narrative stories that in in the Bible. Mm. As human beings in virtually every culture, we we have the ability to make sense of stories. Mm. And you know, when we if we switch on TV or you know watch a Netflix series, very quickly without thinking about it, we we have picked up you know whether this is going to be you know whether it's a comedy or a drama, you know whether the atmosphere is tense or or you know relaxed or a kind of an idyllic country scene. We get all those things, and mm-hmm. and also we 
we, we're that when we when we do that, I mean, you know, could have said read a novel. It's the same thing. But, you know, if you watch Netflix, we know we trust the program maker to tell us what we need to know. Um, and we don't we don't ask 400 questions. Oh, good, no. good, good. No, so right. I mean, and this was actually my eldest daughter, Lucy. She wouldn't mind saying this when she was a she was a kid. Oh, you'd start to watch something and she was, you know, uh, who's that? You know, who's that? Daddy, why is he doing that? Or why is that? Why is that car red? You know, did, <laughs> does he know that? You know, does he know her? And, and you're just going, Lucy, just 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 watch. <laughs> It it will become clear. Good, good. And, and yes. I think it's, it was just trying to give people the sense that yes, they're stepping into a slightly strange world, but mm-hmm. actually, you know, especially the narrative parts of the Bible, um, I, st- storytellers tell us what they want to focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, good. it's it's not it's not a kind of mystery puzzle. Um, when something's important, it will be repeated. You know, oh, good. Right, you know, right. If something, if something matters, you know, the God through the writer will shine a spotlight on it. Yes, right. You no, know, good. If it's a detail and, that never occurs, occurs again, well, you know, maybe the grass was green because it was green. Or, you know, <laughs> you know like um, even in my, my Bible study group in, 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 our, in church, we, we are, we've just started Revelation. And we had a long discussion on Wednesday night about whether the fact that Jesus pick, puts his right hand on John, you know, w- was terribly significant. Hmm. Yeah, I could be, you know, but I, I wasn't, I'm not aware of anywhere else, you know, in the Old Testament, hmm. there's much significance. I suspect it was because Jesus put his right hand on John. <laughs> and yeah. Nothing else is made of it as we go on, you know, so... You, you just read it. And I just, I mean, I say to our students in, in seminary, if, 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 you're, if you're wondering, is this significant? The single most important thing to do is to keep reading. Oh, good. Right, right. And if it's exactly. really significant, the writer yes. will tell us. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and um, so very often, well, we're not told things right away. We're told a little bit. Yes. And, and we're told it in a way that you think, oh, there's more to this story or there are more details coming. But yes. but the writer doesn't want me to have that yet because it wants to build that tension, build that anticipation. So, yes. so, so yes, keep reading, keep reading. Yep. Sure. There's going to be things that you won't, that you won't understand. Yep. Um, um, but you know, there's a whole lot of things that you don't understand them when you go through it the first time and then you get to the end and, oh, yeah, I'm going to read that again and get yes. so much more of a fuller picture. Yeah, okay. that's it. Well, and I think if, if we're encouraging, you know, any Bible reader to embrace that, you know, to be patient, because, you know, if you start to read, I don't know, Second Kings, it, so you have to read to the end to get the to get the punchline. You know, mm, and yeah. this is Second Kings. It's also one of those, you know, it's the setup for the next series. Yeah, you know, but, yeah, yeah. but if we start, right. and that's you know, partly why I use the Netflix image. You know, you don't watch the first episode in a you know in a box set and get really annoyed that everything hasn't been answered. You know, mm, it's just, mm. this is not it's not how it works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, then, very soon after that, you say that reading the Bible is like watching cricket. 
Uh, yeah. Now you're, you're going to have to help us Americans here. We, uh, uh, I, even, even some of us who have seen some cricket, we, we, we really don't understand that game at all, but so help us. What, what did you mean by that? Um, well, that's right. It, it's, I think Americans should be able to appreciate for that, appreciate it for that very reason. Um, mm-hmm. If I can flip it over, um, I my brother is a house in the in the US. I've spent a bit of, bit of time there. Um, when I first watched baseball, you know, hmm. b- baseball is a fair, like cricket. It's a very simple game at, at heart. You know, mm-hmm. someone someone throws a hard ball, and someone with a bat hits it. Yeah, okay? that that's it. So you know, my brother lives near Boston. I watch the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I kind of get what's going on. There, there is a language around baseball that that is utterly meaningless to me. <laughs> you know, um, I don't really understand this, the uh, the stats. I don't really understand the different types of pitches. Hmm. But actually, if I went and sat with you know with a, a baseball aficionado and and sat you know in Fenway Park or wherever it happened to be, I sat with him for an hour, pretty quickly. They they would be able to tell me why he's doing that, you know what? Oh, good, what, good. what is the difference? You know what what mm-hmm. what is the difference? You know between you know between a fastball and a curveball or whatever. It it's mm. just there there is an insider language. Yes, um, you know, and, and it's the same. So in cricket, you know, the fielder the field positions have all got ridiculous names. You know things like silly mid off, okay, which which is incomprehensible. Oh, sure. Unless you have someone sit down and go, oh, that's the guy who stands there. You go, oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. so when we first come to the Bible, we just have to realize the the gist of it, that the message, that what the central things that are going on are actually pretty clear. Okay? Good, good. But you have stepped into a world at, where there's just there's a different language, and mm. and it's not it's not a matter of intelligence. And, and it, at this level, it's not even a matter, I would say, of spiritual discernment. Mm, it, good. It's just, you just you just need to, to understand the world to get the lingo. And actually, quite quickly, yes. you go, okay, I, I start to appreciate this. And yeah, the, the journey has begun. Yeah. Mm. And I would, you know, that's where I, I would want to hold on to the inherent simplicity, um, you know, so that if, you know, if Americans watch cricket or you know Australians or Irishmen watch baseball, there's there's a fair bit of the detail that's bewildering. But but you get the game. We here at the C.S. Lewis Institute are delighted to tell you um, our newly redesigned website has been given an award. We're an early winner of the Gold Award by the dot-com awards uh, agency. Uh, They uh, hand out very few of these awards for excellence in web creativity and digital communication. This year's competition was, had entrants from 2,500 entries or or even more, designers, developers, content producers. I mean, it it was amazing. And we are so very grateful that we were given this award. Uh, we thank you uh, for your prayers for this ministry and support for our ministry. This uh, redesign 
took a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of money. And we would love for you to be joining us as a financial supporter of our ministry for paying for these kinds of things and also the great materials that we produce and the events that we do. So please prayerfully consider if you're not a regular monthly supporter of our ministry, we'd love to have you as a partner in that way. Um, or if it's only uh, uh, occasional gifts, we take those too. But we really need uh, your help. So we hope that you can go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org forward slash give. Thanks. Yeah, that's really good. That's really helpful. I love it. Yeah. All right, let's let's dig into a, 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 another direction. There are two two parts of your book about um, how do we interpret the Bible. And on yep. the one hand, I was really really glad you you said uh, we don't get to make it up. We don't get to make up the meaning, yeah. and b- because that's so counter what our world is saying. Our, our world constantly we're being told, well, it means whatever, whatever you want it to mean. It means whatever you decide. So, so on the one hand, you say, we don't get to make it up. And then later in the book, you, you say, um, it's not about me, although it is. (laughs) And so those are, those are some really good tensions. Um, uh, tell us about the, the, the second aspect that I'm saying, where, where you wrote, um, it's not about me, although it is. Yeah, I think that's where, I mean, ultimate, I, I, at, the Bible is a book about what God has done, is doing, and will do in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it, it, is, it is about the, the gospel, the announcement of what God has done. First and foremost, like that, that's everywhere. However, as you know, as God's creatures, as human beings, when we read that message, which is about us, it inevitably has implications for us. Okay, and and I think that's where where we get, if we go to the Bible, just saying, I am, you know, I am assuming this is going to make statements about. Now, me, Gary Miller, at this point in history, feeling this way on a Friday morning and just dive in. We've just completely ignored the purpose. Mm-hmm. But when we actually grasp the truth of what God has done and is doing for us in Christ, then then that from that standpoint, it has much to say about us in relation to that grand story. Mm-hmm. But, but if you leave out the grand story, it's just you're just distorting it completely. Mm. Like, you know, then it then it is, you know, you might as well just pick any book, you know, from a shelf in a library and you know, try to jumble together the words and construct what you would like to hear from it. Yeah. Well, I I was so grateful that y- you um you you didn't just avoid, you you negated the two very, very opposite extremes. The one is it's all about me. And it's yes. just this subjective yeah. book. I open it up and I let it, you know, and, and, you know, I always get nervous whenever I hear someone say, well, you know, I read this and what that meant to me. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. We, we, I, you, you can't be too strong, but we, we, we don't, we, we don't really want to know what it meant to you. We want to know what it means. So, yeah. so on the one hand, it's, well, it's not all about you, but on the other hand, I mean, sometimes you hear also of, well, it's not about us at all. Well, because so that you you found this route of saying, well, it's not about me, but it is for me. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's the, that's the right balance. It is about God and what he has done and what he is doing. But this is for me, it's for my edification. It's Second oh, Timothy yeah. three sixteen and seventeen. It's for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training. So it, and that was really right. good. And when you see the way the Bible is written, you know that like the Bible is written to do something to us. Hmm. You know, and and that at points that is to thrill us, to humble us, to to instruct us. You know, to excite us, to expand our minds. But but it's 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 acting on us. Not simply, you know, not not simply kind of putting us in the spotlight. It's saying the spotlight lies elsewhere. But when you see what what is happening here, you need to react, respond, and that God's act, God's action in Christ, um, God isn't just passing us information, but actually through this message, He is changing us, calling us to repentance, hardening us. You know, it's. It, so it's a, it's a, I think that's, it's encouraging because that's the balance that on the one hand, the Bible is an objective message about God and what he has done, but mm-hmm. God in his infinite wisdom and mercy has spoken that message to us. So that message has an effect. And I think I agree with you, you know, when people say this is what it means to me, you know, at best, they're just using the wrong word. <laughs> you know, if they say <laughs> this so. is. This is how it impact it impacts me, or this is what it implies for me. I'm going. Ah, oh, good, yes. good, good. <laughs> and I think that idea that I, I think you're right. You know, we've got to be really careful. Like what it means to you is, is kind of meaningless, really. You know, it's it's not a helpful way of speaking. Yeah, yeah. but you know, there there's a strange kind of um, uh, liberation, or yeah, it's liberating of oh. It's not all about me. I'm not the center of the universe. What a relief. <laughs> so, um, okay, I, I better not go on that too long. Yeah. Let, let me just tell our listeners one more uh, thing that I, I really appreciate about the book is that you give us exercises at the end of each chapter. It's now it's your turn. I've shown you this principle that I'm trying to teach about how we interpret different genre or different uh, parts of the Bible. Now, here, take a look at this psalm or this passage, yeah. and what are and you and you walk us through it um, in a very helpful way. And you don't shy away from doing that with some difficult passages. I mean, toward the end of your book, you you take on some pretty heavy stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, in fact, I even remember thinking when I got it, I was like, oh, he's going to go there with the reader. Okay, let's watch <laughs> this happen. So, well, I think that's, you know, because I think the, the danger um, and, and I mean, this this is just through working with new Christians um, or, you know, or seeing people come to Christ. The danger is that they they go, you know, oh, you know, uh, Randy helped me to see that. I could never have seen that. Oh, you know, yeah, there yeah, is yeah. the special knowledge that has been imparted to Gary or Randy or someone, <laughs> or someone else. And I think that's where just straight away i want people to say look okay yeah yeah okay you know i i work i work in a seminary i've been a pastor for a long time but actually i'm not talking about special knowledge i'm yeah, saying good, if, good. if you do what i have just described you'll you'll actually hopefully build some confidence cuz you'll see that it at one level it's not that hard yeah 
Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, there there are no tricks. You know, it's about reading the words and prayerfully thinking about what they, you know, what they're what they're saying, and you know, listening to other voices from across the centuries and all the rest. But but the core the core issue is that you know, if you read the text carefully, um, in a in a decent English translation, you will get what it's talking about. I mean, that, that actually for me, there was a formative experience <laughs> a long time ago. I am. Um, I um, I did my PhD in Deuteronomy in Oxford, and I, when I finished my PhD, I actually I borrowed Phil Riken's laser printer. Phil, who's now the pre- the president of Wheaton College, Phil had a laser printer, and none of the rest of us did. I printed out my thesis on Phil's printer, and as I stood watching it coming out of the printer for about thirty seconds, I was really depressed because I thought, you know what, there's nothing in that thesis that any Christian who'd been given three years to sit down, you know, with the NIV and of Deuteronomy and had read and thought and prayed about it. There's nothing in my thesis that that they wouldn't have seen. And, you know, as my dreams of academic greatness, you know, lay, you know, shattered around my feet, you know, this, <laughs> this 100,000 word statement of the obvious. And, and I was depressed for about 30 seconds. And then I thought, actually, Gary, no, if you believe that God's word is God's word written for his people. Actually, it should be worrying if you've come up with anything, you know, that a faithful Christian believer, you know, given time, you know, with the gift of the Holy Spirit doesn't come up. And and I think, you know, that really was a formative experience. Mm, Good. And, And I think, you know, that sort of 30 years on, that's what I've tried to convey in, um, and read this first, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to go to Oxford and do a PhD or be a seminary professor or you know a, an apologist or an evangelist to actually understand what God is saying to us in His Word, mm. because it oh. really is clear and it's rich, and you know we can we can read this and and it be fresh for a lifetime. But it's really not special knowledge. It's God's word to his people. Mm. Well, that is a great place for us to draw this to a close, because I, I think that comes through so very uh, frequently and clearly in your book. You can do this. You can read this book. And sure, there's some difficult parts. But here, let's, let's give you some, some practice and some insight. And... Um, I, I do especially want to say, I think this is a great book, too, for uh, those of us who have been Christians for a while to give to young believers or, or, or our children as they're getting to the age of being able to read these things for themselves, um, because it, it's such a delight to be able to see a, a fairly young Christian say, you know what I just read in the Bible? Look, look at this. And, and they show it to you like you've never seen it because they're just so excited about, look at this. This is so great. And so your book can help us have more of us get to that point of, you know, being on the, the showing side and on the uh, receiving side. So um, I recommend it. I hope it'll become a really important tool in discipleship. Um, thank you, Gary, for joining us. Um, we're going to sign off now to our listeners. Uh, we're going to have some show notes and a link to Gary's book and some other things that he's put together for God's people. Um, check out our resources on our website, cslewisinstitute.org. 
Uh, We hope this podcast, our other podcasts, and all of our materials um, help you grow in discipleship of the heart and mind.